Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Uber Jams. My name is CJ, and this is a little show that I created to invite you to go on an adventure with me into all things music. This week, we'll be talking about those who have successfully bridged the gap between unknown hired session musicians or producers to become multi-award winning artists in their own right. Also this week, I'll be talking to a great musician, artist, and a good friend of mine, Ross Harris, about his experiences of blurring those lines and consequently finding it a bit like living a double life. So stick around and hope you learn some cool stuff with me. Also remember, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to receive notifications when new episodes are published and extra credit to those who leave a comment. So let's jam some stuff. So this episode is titled Blurred Lines for a couple of reasons. One is that there are many musicians who have successfully blurred the lines between session musician or producer and then becoming an artist themselves. They've contributed their skills and talents as hired guns on stage or in the studio for other people, whilst maintaining a personal brand that transcends to the outer world of music as standalone artists. The other reason for the title is it's my belief that Pharrell Williams is someone who's achieved exactly that. There is a third reason, but my guest Ross Harris will understand why I won't share that here today. So today we'll jam on some of the most notable people and groups that have bridged that gap and made their way from the back of the stage all the way to the front. We'll be right back. To start with those who aren't in the know, a session musician, or a hired gun as they're often referred to, is a term for a musician who is hired to perform either on stage or in the studio for other artists or groups. This can vary in terms on length, from guitarists hired to simply cut one guitar solo, to becoming a lifelong go-to musician to perform with that artist for their entire careers. Not many cases of the latter occur much these days, but they are still out there. Some choose to think of them like a utility service. If you need a bathroom cleaned, you can always clean it yourself, but you'll likely have a better result if you hire a professional cleaner to do it for you. Others like to think of them like painters' brushes. Different brushes achieve different outcomes, and some are used more effectively than others. But respectively, they both come at a cost. Professional session musicians know their worth. Not just financially speaking, but personally as a brand. They can take your recording or live show and take it to the next level in a way that the artist may not know how to. I'll be doing a podcast all about session musicians soon, but this one is for the musicians who chose to step out from the shadows and into the spotlight. Early studio recording groups formed to create their own signature sounds that were recognized the world over. If you've ever enjoyed anything by Elvis, Patsy Cline, or Jerry Lee Lewis, you shouldn't be surprised that the majority of their earliest work was recorded by the same band. I'd also love nothing more than to do an entire episode about the Nashville Sound and Chet Atkins, who, by the way, was a great session musician before he was known as an artist and a producer, but I will find a great guest for that in the future. Many of these studio bands never came into any recognition until much later. Groups like RCA Victor's Nashville A-Team, The Wrecking Crew, based mostly in LA, Booker T and the MGs in Memphis, the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, and of course, the Funk Brothers in Detroit. Most of these phenomenally talented musicians never found any stardom in the years to come. 
but were respected amongst the industry itself. However, one of those groups, Booker T and the MGs, stumbled across something not many would have ever imagined possible, a successful original single of their own. Booker T and the MGs never really amounted to the same success in their albums and singles that followed, but the mold was already broken. It set a new precedent for the musicians who were already closest to it in the first place. They were already on the recording, why not put their name on it too? There were some huge names that have risen from the darkness of the studio or the back of the stage to becoming household names in the music industry and respectfully as artists. Artists like Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page, Billy Preston, Sheryl Crow, and Gary Moore. I suppose you could also throw people in here like Dave Grohl and Miles Davis going on from a band to becoming a band leader, but somehow it feels different. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's for another whole podcast in itself. There's one band that stands out the most to me and also stood out as a key influence for Ross Harris, as you'll find out later, and that's Toto. Toto were an entire band of session musicians who went on to claim their own spot in the world of music. Its members had collectively written and performed for tons of artists and producers, but when it came time for them to be taken seriously as writers, the breaks were fewer and farther between. A Toto founding member, David Page, had co-written several songs with Boz Skaggs on his album Silk Degrees. He was now in hot demand as a songwriter, which gave birth to using some of these songs with the session musician supergroup, Toto. All of the original members of Toto have won countless awards for their songs and albums, and even yet still maintained a strong presence in session work for other artists. Steve Picaro even wrote my favorite Michael Jackson song, Human Nature, while his brother and bandmates Jeff Picaro, Steve Lukather, and David Page respectively played on the album as session musicians. P.S. Thriller is still the best-selling album of all time, so you can imagine the royalties involved in this, I'm sure. Since then, the doors have been blown wide open, and there are a slew of musicians who have made that crossover. However, there are also many producers and songwriters within the last 20 years or so that have successfully made that transition also. To name a few, Kanye West, Pharrell, LP, and even more recently someone like Kay Trinata. Kanye West was a house producer for Rockefeller Records. He produced tons of singles for other artists, including the label owner Jay-Z, before breaking into some rap features and singles that he'd worked on also. Pharrell was a well-known member of the group The Neptunes. He also traveled that path similar to Kanye West by getting a few vocal features on tracks that he produced, which would alert the world to some of his solo capabilities outside of his production group. LP these days is one half of the successful rap duo Run The Jewels, but he's also produced multiple records for other artists and solo work for himself prior to this. Katrinada is an interesting inclusion in this list. I'm trying to steer clear of DJs, however, I would be remiss if I didn't add him in. There are two phenomenal documentaries that I would implore you watch if you ever get chance. Standing in the Shadows of Motown and 20 Feet from Stardom. Standing in the Shadows of Motown is the story of the studio session band The Funk Brothers and their highlights in history and their lack of accreditation on the music that they brought to the world. While 20 Feet from Stardom is an emotional roller coaster that highlights the journey of background singers who realized their dreams of becoming artists but faded away into obscurity and now wishing they could have at least their session jobs back that they had before. Side note, if you do find the time to watch these two documentaries, please get tissues at the ready. They are real tearjerkers. 
Now that we're up to speed on musicians bold enough to step into the spotlight while being talented enough to also stand outside it, now seems like a good time to jump into my chat with my good friend, Ross Harris. Ross and I go way back, which means this interview is a long one. So get comfy and let's have a jam. Also, side note, Ross and I ran into a couple technical difficulties while recording this episode, so if it feels a little bit disjointed somewhere in the middle, hopefully this explains why. All right, let's get back to it. Ross Harris, welcome to the Uber Jams podcast. How are you doing, bud? Thank you very much, mate. I am very good. It's nice to talk to you. Mm, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since, I, since yeah, we've had a chat and had a, a long bit time of since we here. lived together. Yeah, let's just <laughs> we get did. That. Let's get that on record. Yeah. Let's get <laughs> living in the same house, just relentless FIFA playing and and you know Call Literally. of Duty playing and all that stuff. You know, 100%. Uh, way way back when. So actually, speaking speaking on that for a second, you and I you and I met when we were at uh, music college a whole what ten years ago, ten plus years ago. Oh my god, ten years ago. Yeah, what? it it's been it's been that long. It's been that long. Wow. Um, but we we met because we were studying uh popular music practice we were basically hot housing to become session dudes right we were we were indeed i think the uh i think the over the overarching fact is there are a few people from from our graduating class that have actually continued on and and gone on to actually do that full time do it professionally um i would definitely put you in that class um of, of people that have truly started to make a living from it and then taken it somewhere else and done something else with it. Yeah, and I think so. There's been a lot of different trajectories. From yeah. There. And, and toward, toward the world over, presumably. Um, so when it comes down to, uh, when it comes down to that, how, how was that experience for you when you, when you were music college, how did that feel for you? Music college was funny. Um, I mean, it was a great, a great laugh for three years. And you make some, I think one of the most important things is you make some lifelong friendships, both musically and non-musically. Like we have our little friendship group and even though you live thousands of miles away, we still stay in touch <laughs> more than maybe friends with, you know, from our childhood for me personally anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, music college was good. It was, I think for most of us, we all bonded because we're not from London. Right. And True. it gave us an opportunity to be in London, make music, learn, etc. Don't think there was that much learning going on, but um, <laughs> there's a, no, a lot no. of music going on. That's the that's the most important. A lot, thing. a lot, of ha- yeah, a lot of hanging out at Weatherspoons, to be honest. But uh... yes, yeah, especially that first year. <laughs> but um, but no, it was great. I mean, you you learn valuable. Obviously, you learn like your technique and stuff like that. But you learn just valuable lessons in and around London, in and around yeah. that sort of atmosphere. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see who went on to do what because. Our friendship group especially went on to do all sorts of different things. I just listened to the one you did with Don. Yeah. Um, and he's obviously in our group. Um, mm-hmm. And he's done something. We do gigs together, but he's also done something completely different to yeah. not what yeah, a lot sure. of us sort of do. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I, th- I think with the with obviously everybody... I mean, the the skills we took away as musicians for sure were, were in you know, priceless. But the... The, the connections that you make within within the people and 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 friends and you know even just in industry associates and things like that I, I i yeah absolutely priceless when you think about it in hindsight um but speaking on some of that that connectivity that you found with um with that industry and with other people and stuff like that 
you you obviously lent into lent into the session world pretty hard. Would you agree? Oh well, yeah, fully. All the all all balls in. <laughs> 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 Basically, okay. um, that sounds lovely. But no, I mean, uh-huh. I, I kind of knew that 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 was what I wanted to do since since I was like fourteen, fifteen, maybe earlier. I knew yeah. I always wanted to write music and be in music, and then once I was drumming and it was going well, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I'd kind of prepared myself from before university, which is what I think a lot of people didn't do. Um, right. But I was like, because my brother, a few years older, does the same thing. He was already there. He kind of told me what I need to do. Um, right. Anything from like getting a car and make sure you have a good drum kit. So once you're in London, you can you can gig as soon as you get the chance because there aren't many chances when you're new yeah um, yeah for sure it was i guess yeah, it's, so... it's always always nice to have you know I, I mean it wasn't really the the path laid out for you or, or the the road very traveled it was a case that it was just more of a road map from from your brother to say like hey you know just a few tips and tricks and hints and things like that you still you still drove your own you know your own oh career, yeah your own i, path, I right? used to not not to quote myself or anything but i always used to think that and tell people you only get one recommendation then you have to prove that you can you know carry it on and repeat that so like yeah. someone can tell you you're good for a gig but if you're rubbish on that gig you're never going to get hired again so yeah, you're not going to get point. 100 gigs from sort of a reputation or someone's word you have yeah. to you know back it up so i think everyone needs a little bit of help um and i was just lucky that my brother had just moved down a year before me basically and you know had a few paths sort of made where i could follow maybe um but yeah yeah it's uh it was an interesting time yeah i obviously just mentioned that where you 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 know you said you were about what was it 14 15 when you when you started it really started to click for you when when you were you know playing music and and deciding that that's the the path you wanted to drive and and choose it as a career whether it was just at least to study or to move forward for the for the foreseeable future um yeah. obviously that being uh being that i guess that catalyst or that turning point for you to to get involved into that that element of music or that side of the music industry as opposed to uh, that maybe at that time you know writing music and that's something that that's come along a little bit later later for you i suppose where you know where you've obviously made those made those roots and connections into into different areas of music industry and and connected with a whole bunch of other people and writers and producers just the people you generally meet along the way how how did that sort of uh, really appear for you when you started to thinking? Well, do you know what? Maybe I can maybe I can be the guy at the front as opposed to the back. Where where did that come from? You know, it's weird. I remember when I was maybe thirteen, fourteen in in school. I'd obviously sp- I'd spend every you know waking hour in the music block doing what I yeah. what I w- wanted to do. And I remember thinking like that I wanted to be an artist and write and like play all the instruments and produce and do all okay. of that but i didn't i had no idea how i luckily had a right. music teacher who sort of took me under his wing and sort of became my mentor as of such but he also saw me as a drummer which at the time they felt like two very different things um, sure and i loved like playing a bit of guitar with the three chords i knew and piano <laughs> sure but i was yeah but i was always terrified of singing which is right strange looking back but when i was when i was in school i was terrified of singing i was in a band i was the drummer and backing vocals um mm. but i'd never never really sing lead i think maybe i did once and it went really bad so i never did it again 
<laughs> that's, that's fair. You just just like <laughs> dip your toe in the water and went, nope, absolutely yeah, no, not. That's not for me. Um, and then the drumming was just going so well. It felt like this just the trajectory I ended up going down. I don't, it's hard to even know why. Like me and my brother, we were both drummers, and we both just both just wanted to be session musicians. And we looked up to like Toto guys like that who could play everything, mm. play every yeah. genre, and just like you know, you dream of being on a stage. And it felt like being a drummer was the I don't know, uh, not an easier route, but just the way of the most accessible way of doing it because we were, we were sort of good at it. Um, sure, I not in an that. arrogant way, but it's like if you you're good at something, you've got to do it. That's what our parents told us. Like if you've got a chance, then you have to take an opportunity because not many people get them. Not yeah, many people absolutely. realize their absolutely talents. True. Everyone's got a talent, but people don't even know what they are because they never yeah, get a chance I, I to agree. discover it. Yeah, I think I think that's one of those one of those things where you become. I guess, and, and like you said, it isn't it isn't an arrogant thing to say. I think when you are when you feel that you are you know naturally talented or naturally gifted at something, I think it it really does start to I don't know it, it inspires you a little bit more to continue on with it because you know I I remember going back to you know first picking up a guitar and and you know my my parents you know yelling at me saying like look you you're not going to be Eric Clapton tomorrow like that it's as simple as that you you have to put in the hours you have to put in the practice but. If you've yeah, got exactly. a natural and you had that natural ability for it when you when you first learn those few rudiments or first few chords or things like that, it drives you to want to keep going on it. And I think that's something that that is then stays within you for, you know, for the rest of your life, really, as long as you want to keep progressing the what you're playing and, and moving forward with it. Um yeah, there was there was something you something you just mentioned there was one of your key influences, you know, one of my favorite bands of all time as well, which was Toto. The obviously, you know, these these dudes are some of the most historically ferocious session dudes ever. Um, absolute monsters. But they they you know, their frustrations, I mean, you can read into their history and I'm sure you know it, but the their history was, I mean, born out of a frustration of, you know, tons of producers and and labels not not accepting the work that they were putting forward. You know, they they had a few songs written here and there and you know gave them to different artists to to perform and things like that and that was the wall they were up against and they said well we're just going to do it ourselves instead so yeah, yeah you know seeing see, seeing that seeing that change for them is i mean that's that's the roadmap right there i mean it's happened in many other areas and and artists and genres and things like that but that that is a, a big moment for when i look at that and say wow you really can do both yeah true it's it's weird because when i listen to toto i never not never, but I rarely listen to the songwriting aspect of of their songs. Like mm. for me and me and my brother, basically our drum teacher at the time was the biggest Toto fan, which explains yeah. why we are massive Toto fans. And sure, obviously the, that makes the two sense. drummers they've had are the two of the best ever. Um, right. It's, my brother loves Jeff, Jeff Picaro. I prefer Simon Phillips. I don't know why. Mm. We both just that's that's the only difference we have. But I'm I'd more never of a Simon consider, Phillips fan myself. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but um weirdly like we always just focused on their musicality as players right maybe because that was the type of music which would i would listen to for music as a music choice rather than like uh i don't know i never connected with their writing i mean a lot of okay. a little bit cheesy apart from rosanna but like i sure. couldn't <laughs> i couldn't really write down some of their lyrics off by heart whereas a blink 182 song or something like that which connected me as a teenager I could easily write down all the lyrics to a bunch of their songs or like Arctic Monkeys. It's it's strange because I never I've never actually considered that they 
did their own music in a weird way. I just see them as like these session beasts who had their own band and their own music, but I never considered them as, I don't know, I never really think of them as songwriters, but they are, I suppose. Yeah. And I, I think that was, that was, yeah, that was a golden moment for me when I, like, you know, I, I went, I went back and, and, and bought those like Toto albums on vinyl and, and still in the midst of trying to collect them all. And, and I, and I listened to, I mean, obviously their, notably their, their biggest album was Toto 4. And there was, there's the track, which is, I won't hold you back, which is, which is, yeah. if you listen, to, listen to that track again and, and take away the, the musicianship, take away the, the individual instruments on it that's a hell of a song like that is a hell of a song from from mm. melodies to production to to lyrics to everything it, yeah i was like wow that's that's a really like and i think that was the moment i went oh wow these guys really wrote songs like they really wrote songs not just for themselves Actual but songs. for yeah for, the, for what you know you could see some other artists singing it or you could see it kind of rehashed somewhere else down the line and and even, I mean, that was, I mean, that song was sampled a bunch of times in like some other bits and pieces in the future. But like, that's when I realized, wow, you really can do both. You really can be the guys at the back and at the front. And I think that's what, I guess that's, that's what a good way. you're, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess that's what you're doing. I guess you're, you've been doing this last, what, three, three, four years, would you say something like that? Yeah, yeah, three, four years. It's weird because Toto, one of my favorite sort of bands, but I've never even considered what you just said because... I think we were obsessed with the live albums when we were kids. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Because totally of their agreed. arrangements and the, and the musicality, it's all we would yeah. listen to. I barely listened to the records, which is really mm. strange because we knew the songs, but when you hear the live version, it's like, oh my oh, God. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a whole nother thing. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's what we, we practiced and we trained with trying to learn all their chops. And like, I could, yeah. I could probably kind of draw out, score out one of their live arrangements, but I couldn't even mm. write down the lyrics, which is re- weirdly a weird way to hmm. listen to things, but I don't do that with any other music, I suppose, because that is so good. It's almost yeah. like gospel music. The stabs and the arrangements True. are so good, but I don't care about the other content, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I totally agree. I, I mean, I'm the same. I mean, you can listen, especially stuff like that, where you, you do listen to those big, big gospel arrangements and, and, and things like that, where you can just listen to the sheer caliber of of musicianship that's that's happening in the moment but you're just like I, i'm not paying much attention to any of the any of the other content because it's i mean christ that music is so in your face as well so it, it's yeah. it's hard to it's hard to focus on what's perhaps what's being said but i mean i mean exactly I, i'm an atheist so I, I i don't you know i'm not paying attention to any lyrical content but yeah yeah same I think what might be a, an interesting thing to kind of hear from you now this is this is something that i've i guess i've I guess I've struggled with over time to to help improve and you know I've read books and I've watched YouTube videos and things like that but being coming from that session world and and playing you know putting all your energy and all your focus into playing your instrument or making a an arrangement sound good or making an ensemble sound good or things like that when it comes down to being the front man and, and front and center you have to come up with lyrics you have to come up with words that say what you want to say and like you, you kind of mentioned it before where you have to make it relatable and connect with other people that may have felt the same way you have but at, at the same time it, it, ha, have you lived enough life you know what i mean like have you have you been through enough to to put down any any content have you are you just kind of speaking from the heart or are you just kind of saying words and just sticking them together hoping for the best that's that's something that i've always struggled with how about you in terms of writing lyrics yeah yeah, it's definitely the hardest thing. Um, 
sometimes it goes so on and sometimes it's just like I have nothing good to say about this subject I'm on or I've run out of words that can rhyme with you or or out Fair. yeah um, yeah so yeah it's almost like having rhymes is a bit of a um roadblock sometimes but I, I don't know do, do you mean with how I start them or how I develop them or well what for for you where where, does where it do come they from? Yeah, where does it come from and what are some like common stumbling blocks you face? I, I mean, I try and call on personal experience and then maybe write a story about that. Or if I just have an idea of a story, whether it's true to myself or not, if I can tell a story of an experience I know someone's had or or some something like that, you know. Um, I don't know, it's difficult. Sometimes they just come to me in the head when I'm driving, I put them in a voice note and then develop them at a later date. Um, I- that's, see that's, where the emotion that's, takes me. That's interesting slash dangerous. Yeah, very. Yeah, yes, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll. I always pull over, Mum. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Of course. Um, but yeah, oh, there's another interesting thing I re- I've kind of been doing recently, which is well, I think I've always done it, but whether I decide to record it is another thing. So I, I read that I think it was oh, I can't remember who it was, maybe Ravi Shankar used mm-hmm. to go to sleep with coins in his hand. So when he was falling asleep, the coins would fall out and he would wake up because the brain is the most creative at the point just before you fall asleep. Interesting. So I know that I come up with so many ideas just before I'm falling asleep. And if I don't force myself to grab my phone and record them, yeah, it'll be gone when I wake up. Well, that's that's why your your brain, obviously, I mean, you can do enough research into this stuff, but the... Obviously, where you, your your brain, that conscious conscious brain, is starting to shut down as you go to sleep, and that subconscious starts to play havoc. Like, and you know, it's where dreams and nightmares come from, and all that weird stuff that you've input over your entire lifespan. Yeah, that's that's when that stuff comes to the forefront. And and yeah, I think he's probably right. It's because when in that first probably let's say like first five ten seconds after you wake up, there's that weird. I don't know, meshing of the two of that subconscious and conscious brain, just, just starting to just connect again and, and figure out where they are today. And then in that moment, if you can find a, an idea or like a musical idea or a motif or a lyric or something like that's, that's when it has to come out. So you, so you've tried that. Sort of. I haven't actually put the coins in my hand to, to wake myself up, but yeah, it's pretty I old school. I'd- yeah, if I have an idea, I force myself to grab my phone because like, okay. I'll just be in bed lying, obviously lying there. Um, yeah. And I'll just be singing something in my head going over and over and think this is a cool idea, but I'm so fucking tired. But <laughs> I know I have to grab my phone because when I wake yeah. up, it will be gone because I remember having an idea, not writing it down yeah. and it being gone, basically. Yeah. And I know and that I- there was an idea there, but I can't recall. What it was. I just I just imagine there's a whole ton of of like voice memos on your phone that's just you going. Some of them some of them hilarious with hilarious titles. Yep, they're just like day 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 six of the quarantine. Woke up and recorded. Literally, I have to have to put it into logic and EQ it and boost it and headphones to try and make out what the fuck I'm saying. You mate, that's that's it. You just slap just slap some melodyne, some auto tune on it. Uh, put like a mad rap beat to it, and just throw it out. Call yourself like Lil Harris. Exactly. And, there uh, it is. SoundCloud. I'm a SoundCloud rapper. That's it. Just put it out, man. It'll be uh, we'll see what happens. 
I, exactly. I'll, I support. I'll, I'll support that. I'll be like your hype man in the back, just <laughs> half, half asleep, you know. So, who who are some who are some you know artists and I guess musicians that you're you're listening to at the moment that are kind of influencing your sound and and how you write and things like that. Who who are you listening to at the moment? Because you've already kind of you've already kind of said who you listen listen to that's inspired you growing up. Like who who are some people you're listening to right now instead? So at the moment, I would say looking at my Spotify, um, a band called Laney, um, okay. who are an American band who are sort of, um, I'd say they're the closest thing to a, an old school Maroon 5, but slightly more electronic. Um, Interesting. Okay. Which the songwriting is pretty cool. They've got this blend of like old school electronic pop with an, the new kind of modern polished sound um, who a friend introduced me to. And I just think it's a great album. Um, kind of like nice simple writing good production good parts that the band are playing um oh and the singer is a drummer i can't remember if i said that um which is weird because i didn't know um also that, that, um, that fits in your that fits in your lane <laughs> yeah exactly um and phineas oh, which, of course um, yeah we talked about off mic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did we did talk about that off mic um the yeah i mean you there's not much more you can say about about him and you know the music that that he's put out because obviously everything that he him and and billy eilish did together is has been obviously just just gaining so much steam and momentum this last you know couple years and and just going through going from from that kind of online presence and a few tracks and things like that to now being you know grammy winners and number one everywhere and things like so that many and obviously and obviously now those two uh, those two putting together like the you know the whole james bond soundtrack thing and yeah i mean you don't you don't get more of a meteoric rise than that i think um yeah it's a proper but yeah romance music story yeah but we we, we talked about i wouldn't say romance they are brother and sister but the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the but the, i mean you know it's america over here you never know but the 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 context of of you know how i guess how they've they've kind of found that niche of of i don't know just keeping things a lot more down tempo a lot more lo-fi and then yeah like, kind and of like you mentioned before limits like they've produced some stuff that's wild and yeah no one would have thought five years ago that's going to be number one in the charts like they're they're pushing boundaries with genres like what genre is she She's like she's singing over hip hop and and R and B and rap and electronic and yeah she's yeah. um so, somebody made the comment somebody made the <laughs> somebody made the comment about Billie Eilish a while back that that kind of made me laugh but made total sense was she's uh pop music for the ASMR generation like I, I was yeah. like yeah that sounds right <laughs> yeah that's basically it <laughs> yeah it made a whole lot of sense a whole lot of sense um yeah man so I I I, I yeah couldn't agree more Phineas is is I mean yeah. There's there's not much more positive things you can say about him. I think at this point, I think everybody knows the the talent that that kid has, and you kind of mentioned it before, where you know when you you do have that natural natural ability for something as as a, as a kid, you know I think that's very that's something that's clearly shown in I mean who who he is, you know, and who yeah. you, know, you know those those two as a partnership. It's similar to Donald Glover, so like I think it's the perfect blend of nature and nurture. Yeah. Like a lot of people are talented naturally, but they don't have the resources or the opportunities to fulfill what they've they've got. Other people are the opposite. They have no 
talent, but they have all the resources, so they they make it somehow. Um, but these guys are just like Phineas, Billy Irish, and Donald Glover. They're like parents knew that they were talented, and they've yeah. not saying it's the parents' responsibility or anything, but they have given them the tools to do what they do, and it's it's the perfect harmony because they've they've proved they're all you know incredibly talented. Of course, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, but w- when we're talking about like, I mean, I think about I think about um, you know people people like Phineas and and. I mean, maybe to a certain extent, you know, Donald Glover and, you know, that childish Gambino kind of name and things like that. Hearing some of their, hearing some of that early work, obviously they, a lot of that content's recorded in bedrooms, you know, I mean, the availability of home studios this day, you know, today is, is 10 times easier than it used to be. Um, you know, you can just, you can, you can buy like a laptop and you're good to go, you know, obviously it's not going to be great, studio, but I wouldn't know what I'm doing with a huge, huge desk. Yeah. Yeah. So when it, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to actually starting to create your music and, and say like, I'm going to make a piece of music now, or whether you said, whether it's for yourself, whether it's a, a pitch for someone else or, or whichever, how, how does that start for you? When you start, do you go straight to instruments? Do you just go straight to the keyboard? Do you go straight to a computer? Like how, how do you start? Um, a lot of it for me at the moment is starting with piano. Um, I used to, I used to do beats and production first. Um, yeah. But I quickly learned that I can't remember if we recorded this earlier. But if a song is, I basically, someone told me once I was hiding behind production, and I think in hindsight I definitely was because I would worry about the sounds and the beat and everything more than I would the lyrics and the melody. And I thought if I've just got a you know a decent melody and lyrics, then that's it. Like it doesn't matter. But then when I try and play it on piano, I'd be like this isn't even a song. It's just a bunch of bunch of bullshit. But um, it's taught me to to strip it back and get a good song on piano in that rawest form that sort of, I don't know, you can play it in any room on any instrument. Just a, a good song is a good song. If you can make it timeless, most of those timeless songs are just a piano, just a guitar, no fancy synths or fancy beats or whatever. You can embellish the song after with all of that. But for me at the moment, I try and make it sound good as I can on a piano. Um, like I've got a song I'm working on now, which I produced. I don't really like it anymore, but then I do like it one day. I hate it the next day. Uh, right. and I never just played it on piano. I always wrote it to this beat I have, and now I'm tired of the beat. So I'm trying to rework the chords, the melody to make it fit as a ballad. And then I could produce it how I want to after. Um, and that's kind of informed the, the other songs I have. Yeah. I think you, you said it there. I think the, the, you know the the ability to to have a, a a great song. I think I don't think it's any any major industry secret that you know you can if if a if a song works with just a piano and a voice or or a guitar and a voice or you know however however the instrument starts. I think the you know the the reality is that that is the foundation that you build a production on. Like if you start with that production, you start with that you know sound or something else. You you. I would say most of the times out of a hundred, <laughs> you you don't end up coming out with a song. You you you, have, you might have a fantastic and amazing production, but you don't have a song. You don't have a you know a a thing that you want to release to the world that connects with other people. Yeah, exactly. And I think my in in hindsight, looking back, my history as a drummer and how my musical life developed, I wasn't the kid who picked up a guitar and loved. I don't know who's a even say someone like John Mayer, 
I didn't pick yeah. up a guitar and learn John Mayer songs and, and sing John Mayer songs. I did that quite a bit with Maroon 5 and piano, but I'd always be obsessed with the drums and the production. Yeah. So I could probably play more songs on drums than I could on piano or guitar to cover like bit for bit. I couldn't, I'd know it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause I think that's affected my songwriting in my earlier years because I haven't considered that raw element yeah. until more recently, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's something that, something that we, you know, we kind of talked about before, but the, obviously where your, your music that you're putting out right now and you're working on, I mean, at this moment in time, there's a, there's something that you, that something that you've done that is, I guess it's different. It's, it's unique in its own little way where you, you release like the full versions of your tracks and, and the, the big production and, and all that kind of stuff, but then you release your DNA versions. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So this has been a big learning curve and something I wanted to try, um, being the indecisive musician I am. Uh, I, sure. I, I've over in the past I've overproduced a lot of my music in a good and bad way you need to learn and you need to know what's good and bad so I have a song which is actually the song that recently it came out just before Christmas uh, it's the first song that, that has done really well on Spotify etc um, but this song I wrote on piano and I knew it was a, a lovely piano ballad and then one day I started producing it and then the next day I produced it more and then after a month it was this whole monstrous production that had nothing to do with the ballad anymore but I still loved it because it 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 did something for the song, whether it was good or bad. It would it had an emotional intent, um, and I kept producing it. Then I went away from it. I did other songs, and I thought I want to release this. But how do I release this huge production produced version, which is super cool? And how do I pr- release the piano version, which is probably the best song written I have in in terms of an actual sit down song? Um, so then I thought of this DNA project, which meant I could release a song produced with all the bells and whistles and then do a stripped down version sort of glorified acoustic track but try and make it unique and interesting somehow um so i did that with my first three releases and it was really cool like the the dna version of my one song goosebumps got onto tv shows and is is my best performing song out of all of them people barely even know the full produced one which took me like a year (laughs) to produce (laughs) which is really annoying because the dna version took me like a day which okay. is also a sign don't hide behind your production. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, I think there's something there's something to be said about about the I guess the style of how you're how you're releasing your content, how you're putting out your music, which really shows I guess it shows a vulnerability to to a lot of, you know, new listeners or or even, you know, like I said, budding songwriters or or people who really want to start getting into that that part of music and it it shows like, hey, yeah, these these giant productions with multi layers and all this crazy stuff and you know drums and orchestra and things like that like it's it's great because that's what you expect to hear on on the radio or that's what you expect to hear you know when when you you pick up some new music and things like that but you you then introduce people that way and then say hey here's here's where this began like here's the raw elements like you said i mean dna's the clues in the name but like here's the raw elements of this song but then some people like you like you just kind of mentioned there some people might hear the other one first yeah so it's it's interesting talking to friends who've listened to the other ones first so some people have heard the dna version which is more piano based and chilled then they hear the full one and think it's a remix by a, pro- a different producer i'm like oh no that's interesting that's the version yeah like, oh i prefer the other one i'm like oh great that one took me months. <laughs> this other one took me a day but whatever uh-huh uh it's a lesson hey man what Whatever it is, at least they're listening to you. 
Exactly. Seven billion people <laughs> on the planet. One person must like the song. There you go. There you go. Well, speak, speaking of speaking of seven billion people on the planet, you were on you were on a whole bunch of different uh, new music Fridays, no? Yes. So yeah, that song that inspired the DNA project, which I haven't done for this song, was the first one to get these big coveted new music Fridays, which is the new okay. radio play. So once sure. you get that, you're a credible artist. Okay. Um, so yeah, we we put out a song just before Christmas. Um, and I had no expectations because when you're releasing songs independently, it's like one in a million chance you're going to get heard. Like I've had a song out for four years that has 7,000 streams. It's probably mostly my mum and dad and, uh, <laughs> and me spamming they've, it on my Xbox over and over and over. They've, they've gone full sleepify like, like Wolfpack where you just like let it play, turn, like, turn exactly, the volume yeah. down. Put we, it on we've, loop, all, yeah. we've all done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this one probably got 7,000 streams in an hour because it got onto the big American New Music Friday playlist. It wow, uh, okay. got on a big UK one. It got on, it topped the Gulf, Persia, North Africa, and Egypt. So <laughs> I that's just, where I the just tour's can't, going. I can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't imagine just like trying to, trying to repurpose all your music in Arabic. Like it, it just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't sound right in my head. I don't know. It, it might have to be done. Might have yeah. to change the, the DNA project to that. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I'd, I'd be about it man like you gotta expand your fan base you know exactly exactly yeah, yeah. let's see well it seems to be working out for you at least and and i guess i guess spotify you know spotify being i guess what what sounds like your vehicle man it sounds it sounds like it's it's been the you know the the great kind of portal for for everyone to listen to you but i don't i don't know if anybody i don't know if anybody truly knows once once you once you're a verified artist on on Spotify, you can uh, you can see that data down to like oh yeah raw met- like raw metrics. I, you can yeah, see when we that first, content. The new app's amazing, so I could log in now, and it will tell me if people are listening to me right now, which is crazy because when it first got on the playlist, it was like hundreds of people. I was like, oh, so apparently five people are listening right now. Yeah, um, which you know it could be bullshit, but it's kind of cool if it's not. Even if it's delayed by a few minutes, it's still it's still fun to know yeah. that. And in, in your first week of the release, it it literally it has a counter going up of how many streams you have. So I was just watching it go like up every few seconds. It's yeah, it's crazy. So Apple Music weren't as friendly with that, but um, because Spotify have more listeners, so Apple Music didn't want to release the data. But now they have as well, which is good. yeah, they have yeah yeah yeah. And I I think what's what's funny with and I think that's uh. A huge credit to Spotify. I mean, it, it you know streaming is their entire platform. It is their entire business. But the 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 movement towards their assistance in in I guess like video and audio content for like for artists. Like, hey, like we have a whole web series on if you're trying to do this or if you're trying to do that. And I've listened to a few of those. I've been like, wow, this this is this is a lot of content that would help out a lot of people. And and kind of re- reflecting back to some of the things we said before, where. It, it helps you miss some of those potholes and 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 real hurdles in your earlier formative stages of of trying to become an artist here and oh put yeah music when, out, when I so. um when I first released music there was none of this editorial submissions there was there was no chance of you getting a playlist unless you were signed or had a million dollars now they have this thing where you can submit direct to the editorial playlists whether they have chance to listen to it who knows. There's definitely a you know a prioritized list of signed artists who get the first run at these editorials, but the yeah, fact that at least it's even, a chance. Yeah, exactly. Like they're they're realizing with people like Lauv 
and other yeah. similar artists that you don't have to need you don't need a record deal and spotify yeah. needs to get behind independence because they're the future yeah like, absolutely yeah i mean like you said you generate that content and it's good enough and it ends up being heard by the right people and people connect with it in that way i mean the numbers the numbers will speak for themselves and that that is the true content that labels are going to look at and say this this is somebody on the rise and i can see that they're you know month on month or week on week just improving on on you know their streams or their downloads or whatever oh yeah and spotify watch all that they they love algorithms yeah. and they they watch how many people you bring to spotify like how your song is accessed is super important like if they click my instagram link rather than find me on a playlist that's good for me and that makes me look good to spotify so spotify are more willing to help me in the future it's crazy interesting interesting stuff um yeah so i, I think I think moving on from that part, we I kind of have a, a couple more questions for you, if that's okay. Of course. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So thinking about now being in, in studios and, and recording your own content as opposed to being in studios and perhaps recording on other people's content, mm-hmm. um, who's who's somebody that you would you would love like you would love to work with? A producer specifically. Who's who's somebody that you would love to work with? I think the there are two. Yeah. Um, and I wrote them down because they have producer names, which I often forget. But um, <laughs> because I produce on my own stuff, it's kind of weird to consider working with another producer because I get so precious over my craft, sure. my art, that I really struggle with letting anybody else touch it. But there's a guy uh, called Stint in America who's um, sort of like a friend of a friend who produced Galant and uh, Sabrina Claudio and a few other huge stuff, but like his R&B is amazing. And I kind of, some of my stuff, I wouldn't say my music is R&B, but I love R&B and some of, some of my music might make it into an alternative R&B playlist sort of catalogue. Um, but just whenever I hear a song, I almost know it's him. And okay. usually I'm right because he has just It's a, it's a unique style. Yeah. Yeah. And the album by Galant is one of my favorite albums of the, the last 10 years. Like it was my soundtrack when I lived in LA for a month. And I just do it every single day. And then I learned this guy produced it and a friend of mine is his mate. I was like, oh my God, how do I get yeah. in the room with this guy? <laughs> that's, that's, that's your, cha- that's your challenge. And like in, uh, when the next, next time, next time I chat to you, you have to, uh, have found some sort of connection there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I need to just get that one session so I can tick it off the list. <laughs> um, that's it. And there's also the guy, for some reason I've forgot his name. I don't want to touch my laptop in case it ruins this recording. Um, uh, he produced John Legend's last album uh, okay not the the Christmas one the Darkness and Light album Uh, Blake Mills um, Blake Mills okay let's 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 jam let's jam on Blake Mills for a second because I I know a little bit about this guy too yeah I thought so Um, yeah mate if you if you want to see like to be honest, I mean, you can look at some of the stuff that he's done and and oh yeah, recorded. I remember reading his bio and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, the the people that he's worked with and, and recorded for and produced and things like that is one thing, but if you ever hear this guy play guitar, oh no, I've heard. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, me. I didn't believe it when I first heard it. Yeah, I so I'm 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 one of those people who I heard him, and here's here's a fun I guess a, a fun uh, parallel is. I heard him as an artist before I knew him as anything else. Right. Um, okay. Cause some people are just like, you know, had been very into him or understanding who he is. And yeah, I, I, I heard his, uh, he put out an album 
uh, a while back. I forgot what it's. I think it's called Break Mirrors. I think yeah, that was Break the name Mirrors. of it. It's like it's, yeah, Break Mirrors. Yeah, I heard that and I I was I was stu- I was sold immediately. I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. I need to hear more. I need to know more. I need to figure out who this who this guy is. And I was watching some videos of him playing guitar, and I was like, uh, uh, what? How did? How does he even do that? What? What is going on right now? He's just a master guitar player. Yeah. Um, and he's but also so unique. Fucking sick producer as well. How annoying. And yeah, and <laughs> yeah, that's where I learned about that stuff and and the stuff that he's brought to the table as a as a producer as well. I was like, this. I mean, this dude is immensely talented. Immensely talented. Yeah, it's crazy. When I heard that album, I was like, "Damn, this is the music I want to make," and it's by my favorite artist, John Legend. Yeah. Who's who the hell's this, this producer? Yeah. So, uh, fun fact: I don't know if I don't know if you know this. Um, so Blake Mills, I uh, believe, uh, I could be wrong. I absolutely could be wrong, but I I believe that he has a new album coming out soon. So that's that's one that I will absolutely listen because I know he dropped he dropped a he dropped a new single. Uh, I think a week or two ago, or something like that. Um, and he he yeah, put out his he Instagram. hasn't done a lot recently since that John Legend right. album. Yeah, and he put out a um, uh, a single a couple of weeks ago and was like, "Yeah, I'm. I think I'm gonna. He's got a new album coming out." So I was like, "I'm in." The moment it drops, I'll be there. Like one minute past midnight, listening to it. I, I'm just such a such a fan. Um, Amazing. But yeah, I love how, his, how his... lucky that I bought him up then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh. I, to be honest, I, that's not a name that I expected you to say. I like I expected some, you know, and uh, I'm not saying that he's a big, he he isn't a big pop producer, but like some, you know, some bigger name or somebody like super super well known, like a, you know, the you Timberlands know of this world. You know, there's there's one, but I'm not sure I'm allowed to say it anymore. Um, which is Doctor Luke, which when I was ah. young, I was obsessed with his production. And I thought yeah, if I could ever get in a room with him, I would love to work with him. Yeah, um, I, I'm, just because I mean, all the Katy won't... Perry stuff, as far as pop goes, I was like, this guy's this guy's the man. Yeah. And we won't, we won't, we won't speculate on uh, on his personal life. But the, um, I mean, you you can't not look at that body of work and just go, wow. Exactly, musically, <laughs> he's, an, he's an absolute absolute beast. Whether anything is you know right or wrong, whatever they, that he's done or true or false, he's still a beast. Yeah. I'd love to be in a studio with him. Yeah, to hear and, what and he th- would do, hear what he would do to my uh, voice or my ideas. Sure, that's one of those true moments where you have to say you separate the art from the artist, right? Like. You know the yeah. the Michael Jacksons or the Kanye West of this world, and you think the John Terry, yeah, okay. Ashley Coles. The... <laughs> that's a that's a football reference, by the way. In case you missed that one, that's, that's yes, what, yes. That's sorry we sorry for the Americans yeah. in mind. I get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I, did I ever tell that story? I, I met John Terry when I was when I was uh, I was working at that fruit that fruit shop that I used to work at in uh, in London. No, you did not. No, I didn't. So I was helping him out one day, and he, nicest dude I've ever met. He was so so kind, so kind. Wow. Um. Yeah. He's. Well, I mean, obviously, Chelsea Football Ground was around the corner from where we worked, so it was. Uh, uh, they're coming, okay. coming quite a lot. Um. Yeah. So moving on from that, I think. Um. I think some some projects that you, I guess, some projects that you have worked on, some projects that you're kind of hoping to work on in the future. Um. Mm-hmm. Let's let, split split you down the middle again, and and. Uh, figure out that for a second what are some yeah. projects that, that you are it's working on in the near future that... I've, been, I've been trying to for years <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly that what 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 are some projects that you are working on both as a as a session art uh, session musician and as an artist as well what's something that you got coming up in the future because i know this this podcast is uh will be released after you have a single coming out so tell me more about that yes yeah, so i'm a single will have just dropped by this by the time this comes out um yeah 
which is which is an interesting one because it's a it's a song I wrote with some writer friends of mine, and we wrote it to sort of pitch it. And then the more I played it and listened to it, I was like, damn, I love this song for myself. So I started yeah. to rewrite it, reproduce it. And I've had it in, in the locker for like a year, but I never never knew truly how to produce it because I was really stuck with this one idea. And I okay. thought, oh, it's, I, I can't make it work. So recently, the last month, I've spent 24-7 basically stripping the song back, reworking a few ideas, changing the chords even. I've, I thought I was stuck on the chords and they have to be those chords. Um, but it turns out you can easily change chords to a song before you've released it. Mate. Which is something I've recently learned. <laughs> Mind blown. Mind blown. You Honestly, can change chords. Oh my I, god. I've I often get stuck when I have an idea. I'm like, it it has to be this way. There's no way I can change it. It was it was this or it's nothing. But I've done that mm-hmm. a lot recently and it's very beneficial. So this has just come out and hopefully it's going well by the time people are listening to this podcast. Um, well, you can you can count me as a listener. I'll I'll have oh, listened to it by then. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um but other stuff really, I suppose um it's weird being doing the drummer thing and doing this. I'm kind of doing the drummer thing less now. Um, okay. Because maybe I'm being hired less or maybe it's a conscious choice. I'm not too sure. <laughs> but um, it's yeah, difficult you'll, to do You'll both. find out one one day. You'll find out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it is strange to do both. Like it's been beneficial and not beneficial doing the drummer thing because a lot of people I meet, like I know a lot of people in the industry from being a drummer. But unfortunately, a lot of those people just see me as a drummer. So it's it's almost impossible to get their attention as an artist because they see me as a drummer. It's a very strange dynamic. Um, yeah, it's very bizarre. But then people who don't know me as a drummer are amazed when I've told them the stuff that I've done in the past or that I even play drums. Like people wouldn't know. New people I meet wouldn't know because I'm not drumming as much anymore. Okay, really. sure. That's interesting. So when yeah. so there's so it's there's a weird nothing juxtaposition. Not- yeah, nothing. So nothing directly in the pipeline for for such well, stuff in, right in, now. In terms of drums, I, I'm playing drums for Sagala at the moment, who's a big okay. producer in the UK. So uh, I did like last summer's festival run, and we've got a festival run coming up, assuming the crisis ends and festivals are back on. Sure. Um, but I'm still technically his drummer, and uh, I play drums for a friend of mine, Reese Lewis, who okay. I started as his drummer, and now we're we're really good friends. Uh, and I also co-produced one of his recent singles. Um, and we kind of, we write together every now and then and I produce a bit for him. So we've got a song together that um, that he really likes for his, you know, potential future single that okay. we've got in the pipeline. So that's kind of coming up, I, I suppose, once we get back in the, in the lab. Yeah. So, say. so he, so Reese is, Reese is signed, right? He's, he's a, like a, he's a label artist. Yeah. Right? So I, he's a, he's my session gig okay at the moment my main one. <laughs> okay um which is an interesting one because i play bass whilst playing drums what? and singing which okay is, tell me uh, more no ex- explain that for a second like ha- what so obviously with with mu- the music industry budgets can be short so we used to have a sure. four-piece band um and then you know you can't take a band out on every single gig sometimes so he stripped his setback to sort of acoustic guitar and piano and he was trying to figure out how to make it bigger without being too big and without avoiding with avoiding using a laptop for track so we just had a chat and i was like i reckon i can play some synth bass in my left hand whilst playing drums with the right because the drum parts aren't huge and heavy it's kind of interesting patterns so yeah now i'm in a situation where i've got a synth bass on my left and spds in front of me a bunch of drums and cymbals and a vocal mic and uh my brain melts on some I, I, I was i was gonna say like that is one of those things that i I mean, just even 
thinking about that hurts my head, let alone trying to figure out how to how to play it or how to facilitate. It's, it's strange, but it's so fun and it makes normal drums boring now. After doing that, it's so satisfying <laughs> to hit a sub bass. And never never go back to uh never go back to acoustic shells. That's it. I'm in complete control of the low end. It's amazing. Hmm. That's fun. And, um, that is fun. But it is it reminds it's me of, impossible um, to, to dep it out. So Sure. Well, yeah, that's that's true. You're stuck <laughs> on that one. It reminds me of um I do you, I don't know if you remember uh Jack Garrett when he was um when he was I mean I guess I say when he was doing music. Like he's still making music. He disappeared for a little bit, but the um that that album he put out that was probably like five five six years ago now where he was he put out that content and then he played the live show which was just him yeah and yeah, he's yeah. he's singing it he's got he's got some you know like ableton loops kind of running in the in the background but majority yeah. of it's being played triggering samples in the moment and and it was like i i'd stood and just watched i was like what how, how do you even how does this yeah. even work yeah, so I remember yeah. there was a there was a few people doing it before him, which were who were really good. And it was a bit of a fad for like a year that everyone tried to do that. I almost I almost tried to do it, and I thought, what's the point? Everyone is doing this thing, and I just think I could have right. done it pretty well, um, because without you know, I remember watching him do it, and I was thinking, yeah. in the chorus that piano comes in, but he hasn't played that yet. That's on a backing track. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> It's like it's not Some fully smoke, organic. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's, it's, a yeah. bit, it's, it's very good, but it's all, it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. And I thought, okay. like people have said, why don't you play drums and sing? I was like, well, Phil Collins has done it, and now Anderson's pack, Anderson Pack's done it, and I'm nowhere near yeah. as cool as him. So I just can't. <laughs> it's just some uh, to some some kid from West Bromwich. Just it doesn't doesn't quite hit the same as exactly. uh, as like the California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So. Um, as this, like the concept of this whole podcast is is about jamming with people on subjects that I know little to nothing about. Like any good jam, you wrap things up, you get back to the head, you go and have a pint and enjoy each other's company for a second. So I've got three fun questions for you okay. uh, that you you don't have to you don't have to explain, you don't have to defend, uh, but I need an answer from you. So. Um, the first question is going to be a two part because this whole, this whole interview has been a two part thing because of the sure. two, the two, the two lives that you lead. Um, but as an artist and as a composer, um, sorry, I, I mean, as, as an artist and as a, as a session musician, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, who would you most like to work with? And this can be an artist, this can be a producer, whoever. I would say, um, I'd say John Legend, I think. Yeah. Just because he's my favorite sort of my favorite artist of all time yeah and also not even for his songs more just for him as a musician like it's sure. the perfect perfect in between of this dude can write amazing songs but also if you give him any song and a piano he'll make it sound good yeah that's that's true like that's you true. could he give did, him he literally did some any stuff. song and it's it sounds good with him singing it so if Agreed. i could sit in a room with a piano with him and sing then that'd be amazing but also if i could play some of his tracks live as a drummer then win-win mm. you know yeah and then uh then as an artist who would you like to most would you would you stick with john legend or would you uh would you twist would you go with someone else so as in for for me as an artist yeah let, let's say let's say somebody somebody throws you down the line and says uh says let's collab bro let's do this like who who would you want to most work with john legend i think still john still legend, john or, legend. Or, or maybe maroon five <laughs> but old school maroon five uh, yeah, <laughs> so Adam Levine, circa two thousand and four. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could be Frank Ocean though as well, because that that mm. album was so okay. huge, and yeah. that style was so huge. That's Interesting. 
yeah I'm, I'm but I'm, I'm definitely sensing a theme in terms of the the style if that makes sense yeah yeah i think so sort of like that alternative yeah. r&b sure yeah for sure all right second question first thing you would do with a one million dollar check the first thing you would do um or, or one million pound check even even though i i think the government's still paying you right now i, I can't even remember what's going on right now yeah, one million pounds also better than dollars at the moment. So let's go with that. That's a good. Yeah, let's stick with that. <laughs> um, what first thing I would do? Buy buy loads of gear. Mm-hmm. Um, music gear, not the other type of yeah. gear. Um, <laughs> buy Just loads go on a one million dollar bender. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd I'd pay off pay off my parents' mortgage, buy loads of music gear. I suppose that'd be the first thing. First two things I would do. And then just write shitloads of music. Maybe go to the Bahamas or something. I don't know. <laughs> or build a studio in the Bahamas and just you know just relax by the beach and then go make some rad rad beats. There we go. We've done it. We've we solved the problem. That's it. Beats and <laughs> beats and beats and beaches. I'm all for it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then uh, last question, Ross Harris. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Probably sort of king of the known universe. I don't know. Just sort of the... <laughs> Evil, omnipotent yep. overlord. Okay. Gram- Grammy right. Award winning. <laughs> Darth Vader esque. Gra- <laughs> <laughs> Grammy Award winning overlord of the known universe. All right. Do you know what? I'll take that. I said you didn't have to defend it. Yeah, um, that's, prob- that's probably what realistic. Probably what you stick happening. with. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Ross Harris. Thank you for spending some time with oh, me yeah, on the sure. Uber Jams podcast. I appreciate you spending that time teaching me some stuff, learning a little bit more about the life you lead and the world course, we live in anytime. of music um and uh i hope to catch up with you soon bud yeah let's do oh, it again. and uh good luck on that good luck on that new single which will be out before this podcast airs what's the name of that single again it's called don't say it's over and it's comes out slash came out on the 10th of april good friday Excellent. so i'm here to steal jesus's thunder there you go and, and you know and, and i would expect nothing less from a, a, a grammy award-winning overlord exactly it's my world now <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. Thank you so much. <laughs> nice one, mate. Pleasure. Time to close the curtain on this jam. I hope you all learned as much today as I did, if not only about the many lives that these people have to lead, but about the continued creativity required to perform at different levels for different people. As for me, I'll be checking out Ross's new single that's live right now on all major streaming services. Thank you if you made it this far into the episode. I appreciate it more than you know. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast to receive notifications when new episodes are published every Tuesday. And any contributions you would like to make can be found in the link at the bottom of the description of this episode. As for you folks, stay home, stay safe, and let's jam again next week. See you next time.